0: Hello baseball fans, welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the ninth day of March 2017. We're almost in the middle of March. And I'm your host Paul Francis Sullivan Please call me Sully As you can probably figure out From the sounds around you I'm recording this from the mobile Sully Baseball Studio, also known as my car Driving through the streets of Palo Alto, California The birthplace of Oakland A's Manager Bob Melvin and just down The 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants Now, I'm in California I did a talked a little bit about that in detail the other day. I was in Southern California, now I'm in the Silicon Valley. And if you follow this podcast, you know I go the way I, my life that I live outside this podcast requires me to go back and forth and back and forth between Northern and Southern California. And there have been many times that I've thought about living elsewhere, specifically when I was going up. To Washington State University as I earned my master's degree. You realize if you've been floating along the River Sully this whole time, you've been here for my entire time of going back and forth and back and forth between the Bay Area and Los Angeles County, but also my entire time of earning a master's degree. You've been with I didn't I was not doing the back and forth when this began. I was not. It was years before I began my master's degree. So, you know, you're 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 along you're along the ride with me. You know, I didn't have one. Now I have one. But a lot of times when I find myself going to places, places that are, that are really lovely. You know, I'm in the Palouse and going to those wonderful places around Spokane, which I find beautiful, and Pullman and Washington and. Moscow, Idaho and Lewiston, Idaho all these beautiful places that I've been to and seen and you look at them and go man wouldn't it be great to live there wouldn't it be great to live there and you know, some of these places are just really great and beautiful and then you look at the cost of living the cost of living in Los Angeles County is outrageous it is only rivaled by the cost of living in the Silicon Valley. Back in 2005, when I was still doing stand-up comedy, we moved from, my, my wife and I and my two newborn kids, we moved from New York City to the Bay Area. And the reason we moved here is because we had family here. And we needed help. We suddenly had two kids. And the idea of, you know, we needed, we needed help we're not going to go on this alone And so we moved back to the Bay Area And lived with family for a while And I was still doing stand-up And I used to do a joke Which I said that we lived in New York We moved here And I want to explain to you my thought process I looked around and I said Hey, New York is great But is there a more expensive place we can live? Is there a place that will cost us more damn money? And I narrowed it down to two places I narrowed it down to the San Francisco Bay Area or a city made entirely of gold. Those are the two places. It worked on stage. Trust me, it got a big laugh. Now I was talking to someone about this very thing, saying like, "Man, if we lived in Portland, you know, we, the the if I made what I made in Port, you know, now and I lived in Portland, if I lived in Pullman, my God, I'd be an emperor." I talked about Jabba the Hut the other day. And I was talking to someone else and she was going through the same thing because she lives in the San Francisco. And she's like, oh man, if I, did, if I lived in Seattle and not San Francisco or if I lived in Houston but not San Francisco or if I lived in Santa Fe and not San Francisco, oh my God, I would have so much more money. It would be so much better and everything. But then we sighed and we said, well, but our jobs are here. You know, the, our lives are here. And you know and I kind of at one point I shrugged and I said, "Well, I guess we're stuck living in paradise. I guess we're cursed living in the most beautiful state in the country. This is our this is our lot in life." Now, oddly, that got me thinking about the Detroit Tigers. You know, like you do. This is a very strange year for the Detroit Tigers. Because Mike Illich is gone. And I talked about this the other day, and I talked about this when Mr. Illich passed. But one of the driving forces that turned the Detroit Tigers, I mean, who could very easily be considered a low budget, low revenue team into a big time spender in one of the haves instead of the have nots in baseball is the presence of Mr. Illich. And sometimes it takes that, sometimes it takes a Single sided owner to come into the situation and say, Hey, I'm gonna spend my damn money and turn this into a big market team. When I was growing up, the Kansas City Royals were always contenders and always, you know, in it for signing big time free agents. And that seems bizarre now, except when you consider it was Mr. Kaufman, Ewing Kaufman was so determined to turn the Kansas City Royals into a top-notch organization, a championship-caliber organization that it made sense in its own sort of weird logic. And Mike Illich was that he was the equivalent of Mr. Kaufman for the Detroit Tigers. Now, I'm not going to rehash everything about it because I talked about it for for a while. But the team is at a strange crossroads. A couple years ago, I said that the Detroit Tigers had to look at the season as a toga party. I made the Animal House analogy. For those of you too young to remember, Animal House was a very popular fraternity, you know, debauchery movie from the late 1970s. And it's one of those films that, was made with nostalgia because it took place in the early 60s but now it has become nostalgia for the era that it came out it's weird we sometimes get nostalgic for nostalgia the way that Greece and Happy Days became and Animal House became products of the 70s not the nostalgia they were about but that's a different topic altogether there's a scene in Animal House and I talked about this in one of the older podcasts where the, the frat house knew that no matter what they would do, they were going to get caught by the dean, so they might as well just throw a gigantic toga party and have a good time. And I equated that to the Tigers saying, look it, you're going to get old, eventually you're going to break down, you're going to be like the Phillies, so you might as well just go all in right now and just start spending and, and, and fill every gap because it's going to happen eventually and you might as well try to win a World Series along the way. Now, they, the Tigers... Didn't make the postseason in 2015, nor last year. They had, they were okay last year, and they contended late in the season, but they fell short, and they were not one of the wild card teams. They were not going to catch Cleveland, and they fell short of the wild card, which was taken over by Baltimore and Toronto. Now, I keep going back to two pitches. Two pitches, if they were thrown differently or a different result, would have completely changed the look and feel of the Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers were clobbering the Red Sox in the ALCS. They won the first game. They took a no-hitter into the ninth, a combined no-hitter into the ninth in game one, and they were winning 5-1 with two outs in the eighth inning of game two. I remember sitting there thinking, like, well, look it. And I, I, was at, I was at my kitchen table in Palo Alto watching the game, and the thoughts in my, in my head were things like, well, no one thought the Red Sox were going to do anything this year. And here they are in the, in the ALCS. They're losing to the Tigers, who are the defending American League champions. And quite frankly, they, they, they've beaten a very good Oakland A's team, and I was shrugging. I said, well, you know what? It's their year. I remember thinking, it's just their year. They have the bats. They have the arms. It's just their year. And then Big Poppy hit the home run in the bullpen. The cop jumps up and down. And Saltalamaki hits the walk-off at the ninth that nobody remembers. And then, of course, they had a lead in game six. And a few errors were made. They brought the bullpen in again. And it was another grand slam by Shane Victorino that turned that game around. The Red Sox went on to win the pennant. Ortiz pops up there. And Victorino, who's in a horrible slump at that point, he pops up. Those two things happen. And the Tigers go to the World Series. They win those two games. They win the division. They win the the pennant in six, and I think they would probably beat the St. Louis Cardinals. Man, it would probably be a tough fight Series, but I would, I would certainly pick the Tigers in that World Series. Those two things happen. The entire aura of the Detroit Tigers is completely over. As it stands now, the Tigers have to get out of the gate. Bless you, boys, big time. They have to get out of the gate. In a manner that is like, wow, they are just on fire, because if they don't, then it's fire sale time. And they're in a little bit now. There's some. They have some very movable commodities. If Victor Martinez is hitting, J.D. Martinez is hitting great. Um, Justin Verlander, who is signed through 2019, so you're basically getting Verlander for 2017, and two years after that. You know, I can't help but think about... I mean, I brought up Los Angeles before, and already Scott Casimir is hurt. And I brought up the uh, Houston Astros in regards to Zach Greinke. But, you know, why not Verlander? I'll bring up the Yankees. I'll do it right now. The Yankees could use a Justin Verlander. I don't want them to, but they could certainly use them. You know, and if the Mets wind up having more injuries to their staff, you know, maybe the Mets. You know, I don't know. But there are plenty of teams that are on the cusp of winning a championship. That inserting a Justin Verlander into your rotation, and knowing that you've got, you know, you're basically trying to win now. Knowing if he breaks down in 2018 and 2019, you're making a real run. To have him be at the top of his game for this year. You know, they can make a move like that. And there are some players whose contracts are going to be very hard to move. Justin Upton, who's not as old as you think he is, is signed through 2020. Or actually, 2021. And he is an enigma. Because when he's on, he's an MVP caliber player. When he's not, He's a what the hell is the matter with him player? You never know what you're gonna get with Justin Upton. You don't. Who's when it all is said and done, he'll play, you know, when his career winds down, he'll probably have a 15, 16 year career, play for a crap load of teams, and have along the way a couple of outstanding seasons. And also along the way, have some seasons that make you shake your head. And then you have a Jordan Zimmerman, who is already showing signs of decline and in injury, and he's signed through 2020. You know, that's going to be one of those situations where, like, let's say they try to make a deal with the Dodgers or the Yankees or some team that has a lot of money. That's when they probably would try to make a deal saying something like, all right, you want Verlander, you have to take Zimmerman's contract as well, where it becomes less about getting a big-time prospect and more about you know opening up payroll. I mean Verlander is making twenty-eight million a year. Zimmerman's gonna be making twenty-four million a year. So it's basically you're saying remove fifty million dollars of this payroll and you get an ace caliber pitcher at Verlander and roll the dice with Zimmerman or maybe something along the way with with Upton as well. But where the California, living in California, and stuck living in California analogy comes through for me is Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera is signed, signed through 2023. Now stop and think about that for a second. He's 34 years old. So he'll be in his, let's see, he'll be in his 40s. He'll be 40. And also keep in mind this: the next presidential election is going to be in 2020. You know the one that just happened that was just consumed all of us. And, and no matter what, whether you're happy or sad of the results, I'm not getting to the politics of it. It was exhausting. Well, he's going to be signed with the Tigers for that one, and when this and he has a he has a vesting option for the one after that. That's how long Miguel Cabrera is signed with the Tigers. And, you know, he's still a wonderful player. He's still going to put up big power numbers. He's still going to have a high batting average. He's still going to have an OPS in the 900s. He isn't breaking down and becoming, you know, a shadow of his former self the way that Albert Pujols has. But at the same time, it won't make sense to trade him. Because, for these reasons, if you want to get value for him, like top prospects, the prospects would have to be in order to match the production that you're going to lose from Miguel Cabrera. They would have to be someone's top prospects, their best five-tool player, their best ace-caliber pitcher, whatever. And you're not going to do that. If you're a team that's on the cusp of winning, you aren't going to trade your best prospect for a player as wonderful as he is, as wonderful as Miguel Cabrera is. You're not going to make that deal because you know... He could break down. He could have an injury. That's what happens to players in their mid-30s. He's already in his mid-30s and is signed for another six years. The chances of him having a season where he misses 100, 100 some odd games a year is almost 100%. And the idea of saying, hey... I don't care who you are. I don't care how wealthy you are. I don't care if you're the Red Sox, Cubs, Yankees, Dodgers, all the teams that people always list as the money teams. No team is so wealthy that they can say, yeah, we could put $30 million of our payroll for the position that's the easiest to fill, first base. I'm not saying first base is a worthless position. It's just the easiest to fill. There's always a glut of first basemen. And there's always a glut of outfielders and third basemen who can't feel their position anymore, get a little too old, so they'll move over to first. It's never hard to find a first baseman. Now, that doesn't mean that a player like Miguel Cabrera grows on trees. Clearly they don't. Miguel Cabrera is a Hall of Famer. When all is said and also all is done, He's going to wind up being one of the two or three great players in the history of the Detroit Tigers. Now, his aura would be a lot different if the Tigers had an effective bullpen in 2013. That's not fair to him. It's just a fact that people look at him as a guy who led the Tigers to the World Championship in 2013. That didn't happen. And so there's a sense of frustration. There's a sense of uh, accomplishment that didn't happen. That 2013 year would have been perfect. And I am going to talk about that season when I go through the whole, the year that could have been for Detroit. Because that would have fit everything. You would have had, all the stars would have been on that team, Verlander, Scherzer, Prince Fielder, uh, Miguel Cabrera, all the players that you know and love. We're on that team, and it would have been Leland's last year, and Leland would have joined uh, Tony La Russa and um, Sparky Anderson as managers who have won World Series titles in both leagues. And the whole feeling of what the Tigers would have been in this decade would have been different. I make the Phillies analogy. Yeah, the Phillies had some frustrating years where they did win, but they did win one year. They did win a title. This Tigers team didn't. They should have won in 2013. It was there. It was sitting there. And like me talking with my friend about California, the Tigers are, are stuck with Miguel Cabrera, much like how we're stuck in California. They're not going to move Miguel Cabrera Because you're not going to get the prospects that make it work, and you're not going to do a salary dump. Because if you're going to spend $30 million and say, well, we're going to pay his salary to get him off the team, then you might as well keep him. And if you're going to say, well, we're going to... And no one's going to accept that as a salary dump. No one's that drunk. I don't care if you get them hammered. The way they used to get people to sign up for joining a whaling ship, you're not gonna do that with Cabrera. There isn't a general manager in the world who would say, Do you know what? Get me a six-year deal with a guy who could only play first base right now and is already 34 years old. Can we do that? Yeah, I make sure he's getting paid 30 million a year. Can we can we do that? No. You're not gonna match his production with whatever Voltron of first baseman you use as a platoon, but you can use that money to spread that production around the board. So the one thing I do know is this the Detroit Tigers are going, if they don't contend right out of the gate, are gonna start selling off some of their players. And I think that one of the smartest things to do would be to dangle Verlander in front of a team like the Yankees or the Dodgers and bundle them up with Zimmerman or Upton. That's the smartest thing. And you're gonna see teams like the Astros and whatnot look for Victor Martinez and JD Martinez and all these other players who they could pick and choose from. But the thing I know is if you're a Tiger fan and say, oh, but who what player am I gonna have to root for? What player is going to be there? The answer is Cabrera. He's not going anywhere. He's going to post some great career numbers. And he's going to do it in Detroit. And in the end, that may wind up being a positive thing for Tiger fans. I think the Tigers are going to have a down year this year. I really do. And I think they're going to put on a fire sale. And that may mean in 2018 and 2019 and maybe even 2020 They're going to be rebuilding, and it'll be rough. And those great years you'll remember in Detroit, you're like, God, they came so close. But what if they turn it around? And by 2020, 2021, and 2022, the Tigers are good again, contenders again, maybe even pennant winners again. And you look up, and there's Miguel Cabrera, still there, still the holdout, still the veteran that you remember from those glory years. And sometimes it's important to have that player on the team because it connects you with a different time. And who knows, he may have 3,000 hits, he may have 600 home runs by now, whatever it is, it'll be a situation where they say, oh, if he can only win a ring in Detroit, he's won a ring in Florida, but if he can only win a ring here, and he lines up and it's a great situation, and and it feels so good because he is a tiger. You think of him as a tiger. Yes, you do. Do you know why? Because you couldn't trade him anyway. You're stuck with him. As I'm stuck in California, you're stuck with one of the great offensive players we've seen in the game in a while. This is the burden that I have and I share with the Detroit Tigers. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kuliski. It's a beautiful day in California. Damn it. I can't get rid of this place. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.